Hey everybody, this is Gene Troyer. I'm the lead pastor of Restore Church. And what a pleasure it is to welcome you to our podcast. It's my hope that you will be marked by love and encouraged in your faith and inspired to become all God has created you to be. Now I invite you to lean in and enjoy the podcast. My name is Gene. I'm part of the team here at Restore. Uh, What a privilege it is to be with you and uh, close out this series we've been in, Everyday Theology. A couple of weeks ago, we started the series and talked about Jesus is what God has to say. Last week, we talked about hell and how to get there. And today, we're going to wrap the series up with a conversation uh, about love about love. I think that wraps it up really, really well when it comes to our personal theology. Uh, I always talk about this everyday theology. Theology means to, uh, to think about God and the study of God. And it's significant that we know what we believe and why we believe the things that we believe. And so uh, it's important as we dig in this morning again that, um, that for me and for all of us together that we lean in and um, consider what God is saying to each one of us individually. Last week I said something about the things that happened to me in the course of a week that sort of seemed to line up with what I'm talking about. And I... I had this experience this past week where, once again, you know, I'm, it was Thursday night, I'm on the back deck, and I'm finishing up with uh, some of the sermon prep and feeling all spiritual. And I uh, thought, well, uh, I have to get the yard mode. I have to get the yard mode tonight. And so I, um, I have a zero-turn, 48-inch deck, you guys will appreciate that. Um, I pull out and I take two rounds. And I pull up over in front of the barn uh, to make that third round. And all of a sudden, I've got my ear, earbuds in and headphones on to kind of protect my ears. And all of a sudden, I realize that the noise from the mower is very different. And I look and the belt has broken on my mower. I'm like, well, great. Tomorrow, if I mow, I'm going to be making hay. So what am I going to do now? So my father-in-law lives right across the street. He's got two John Deere little garden tractors that he uses, right? He's got one and another one for backup, I guess. Have you driven a John Deere, little John Deere tractor in the recent past? Me either. Well, I got on the first one, and I pulled out, came across the yard over into my yard and started mowing. I had to adjust the height because I like my yard higher. And so I didn't want to mow it at three inches. I wanted to mow it at three and a half, four inches. And um, so I made that adjustment. And then I'm mowing and I'm back and forth, back and forth. And I realized, what is going on? Like, like the deck is cockeyed. Like I'm, I'm driving straight, but the deck, the mower deck is not straight. It's like this. And so I'm shaving the one side of the yard. The, 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 my stripe is really dominant on that side, right? More dominant than I normally have it. 
So I'm like puzzled about this. I'm trying to figure it out. I stomp on the deck. I'm like trying to figure this out. I'm getting frustrated. And so I pull off onto the drive where it's even and I look and it's still slanted. And I glance back at the tire, the back tire, and it is completely flat. So I've got half the, you know, half of the front yard done with this slanted mower deck. So I take off for the barn. I think, all right, well, I'm going to put, I'm going to put some air in the tire. It'll be fine. I get to the barn, put some air in the tire. And as I'm putting the air in the tire, I notice a hole, a big hole in the side of the tire. And so I just fill it up so that I can get across the yard back in his barn. I jump on the other mower. I get the other mower out. And by this time, I'm feeling a little bit like I am under persecution. So I get the other mower out Never driven this one before. The first one had power steering. This one does not have power steering, showing its age a little bit. And uh, I get over and I start mowing the yard. If you know me, you know that I am proud of my yard. So not only had I mowed half of the front yard with the deck shaving the one side, now... The adjustment I made on this mower, well, I thought it was up where I wanted it. Literally, I shaved an entire strip. Like the mower deck has dropped down and it is like, all right. So, uh, well, I'm gonna make the adjustment. I made the adjustment and off I go and I keep mowing. And pretty soon I'm noticing that there's a lot of residue. The grass clippings are not blowing out the way they're supposed to blow. They're collecting and, and everywhere I'm mowing, there's just piles of grass clippings. And then I'm, I'm driving around. So I'm frustrated with that and I'm driving around one of our big hemlocks, trimming that, and I make that second round around it and all of a sudden, through my headphones, so you know how loud it was, I hear this boom, 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 boom. And I look back, and there is some residue. I mean, there, there's like smoking metal back there on the ground. And I'm thinking, what, is my blade blowing off the mower now? What is happening? And then I looked a little closer and realized that my beautiful phone case from Carved is laying back there. Now it is full-on persecution. So my phone is disintegrating. It's, have you ever seen a, a phone after it's been through a mower? Yeah. Well, I hope you haven't because it basically just smokes and hisses and carries on like it's something alive. I picked up the pieces and sadly took it to the trash can and threw it in. And then I put the mower away and I was done mowing for the night. The next morning I got up. I was still frustrated. I had a board meeting in the morning, and then I went to the lawnmower shop. No one looked at me when I walked in, just ignored me. Do you know it really matters what you do with the residue of your life? That it really matters the way that you respond to people? Like, I allowed... Because I was mad when I went to the phone store, too. 
I mean, I didn't show it, I don't think. But I was there uh, right at 10 o'clock, and there was a line all the way to the door. I was like, great. Attitude matters. And the whole time I'm at the lawnmower store getting a belt, and the whole time at the, I'm at the phone store getting a new phone, I hear the whisper of God the whole time, bringing me into alignment, bringing me into alignment, bringing me into alignment. I'm like, I was really grateful for that voice that was whispering to me, all right, think rightly about this. It's just a lawnmower belt. It's just a phone. What really matters here? What do you really want to be known for? What do you want people to see you as? And it prompted this question. What happens to other humans when they get close to you? What happens to other humans when they get close to you? In 2 Samuel 24, there's a story about David. And David, again, is at the end of David's life. And if you know anything about King David in the Bible, he had so many victories. He had so many things he did right. And he did so many things that he did wrong. And yet, God looks at him and says, there's a man after my own heart. His heart was pliable. His heart was filled with humility. He was a humble king most of the time. But you know, when he made a mistake, when he didn't do things right, when he didn't acknowledge the value of the, of his, of the person in front of him, David repented. He had a heart that was aligned with his God. But at the end of his life, once again, he sins. And so he's, he's King David. He has been leading his people for many years. And he does something that is sin. And there's a mentor or an advisor, a prophet. His name is Gad. And Gad comes to him and said, hey, um, you have some choices. So you, you sinned. And now there are consequences. Don't we wish there were no consequences for the actions of our lives? But there are. And here comes Gad, and he gives him three options. And those three options are all, there's no good option. But David says, well, instead of an option where I fall into the hands of man, let me just fall into the hands of the Lord because the Lord is merciful. As a result of David's sin, 70,000 people were killed in a plague. And then Gad came back in verse 18. Gad came back to David. Gad is his, the name of his mentor, his advisor, the prophet, his seer. I wonder, is there anyone in your life that you would allow to come alongside and to speak into your life and to say, hey, let me tell you what God is telling me right now. Is there anyone in your life right now that is speaking in and speaking life and blessing over you? Is there anyone that is speaking truth and saying, better realign 
here or there are consequences to pay for your sin. Is there anyone in your life? Gad was that person. He came to David and he said to him, he said, go up and build an altar to the Lord on the threshing floor of Arona the Jebusite. The threshing floor in the scriptures was a place that was set apart. It was a place of revelation. It was a place where the, the, the farmer, the, the person threshing the wheat would separate the chaff from the good stuff. And they would, it would be at a high place where the wind would come through and would separate the straw out from the good. So David went up to do what the Lord had commanded. And when Arona saw the king and his men coming toward him, he came and bowed before the king with his face to the ground. Why have you come, my lord, the king, Arona asked. And David replied, I have come to buy your threshing floor and to build an altar to the Lord there so that he will stop the plague. Take it, my lord, the king, and use it as you wish, Arona said to David. Here are oxen for the burnt offering, and you can use the threshing boards and ox yokes for wood. I mean, who needs the yokes anymore? Just take them, burn them up, build a fire on the altar, and I will give it all to you, your majesty, and may the Lord your God accept your sacrifice. But the king replied to Arona, he said, no, I insist on buying it, for I will not present burnt offerings to the Lord my God that have cost me nothing. So David paid him 50 pieces of silver for the threshing floor and the oxen. And David built an altar there to the Lord, sacrificed burnt offerings and peace offerings, and the Lord answered his prayer for the land, and the plague on Israel was stopped. Let's go back to verse 21. Why have you come, my Lord the king, Arona asked. See, the king is coming to Arona to the place where Arona is simply out there threshing. The king had the option of saying, give me everything. When the king approaches, he could have called for Arona's life, if you so desired. That's how much power and authority the king David had as he walked into that space. What do they feel when you walk into the space? What happens to people when you walk their way, what are they thinking? What's going through their mind? What kind of approach do you have? Arona knelt down in front. He bowed down before the king. He said, hey, why are you coming? What do they feel when I walk their way? Those of you in positions of authority, this is especially important and guess what? Those of you that are in any sort of visibility and leadership of anything, especially important for you to hear this, what do they feel when, they walk, when you walk their way? Oh, and guess what? What do they feel when you start writing on social media? What do they feel when they see your comment come up? Long time ago, we lived in Ohio. And in the business I was in out in Ohio, there was a sales rep called Bill. Bill had this way of communicating, and, um, and he used the word beautiful a lot. He would say, 
hey, did you want this this week or do you need this? And whatever my reply was, he would always say, oh, beautiful. That's great, beautiful. I began to say the word beautiful in ways I hadn't said beautiful before. Because you know what? When Bill walked my way, I felt like Bill valued me. When Bill walked my way, I could have a sense of well-being. And when Bill used the word beautiful in ways I hadn't heard it used before, it stuck with me. And I started using the word beautiful in new and beautiful ways. The words we use make a difference in how the people see us when we walk their way. The expectations they have, the expectations I had of Bill when he walked my way was there was going to be something beautiful in our conversation that morning. Not just because he uses the word beautiful, but because the, the formation of the words that he spoke, the person that he was expressed beauty. And so when we say the word beautiful and we're yelling at someone, that's not going to work. It doesn't matter if we're using the right word, if we're using it in the wrong way. If we're saying the right things but living the wrong way, the impact is not going to be the direction that we want it to be. This week, President Biden announced a student loan forgiveness and there was elation around the country in a certain segment of the population. But boy, in other segments of the population, there was a lot of complaining. And then the online segment started. I think it's always good for us to think about the acronym or consider the acronym THINK. Is it true? Is it helpful? Is it inspiring? Is it necessary? And is it kind? What I saw blowing up in front of me on social media, like we as followers of Jesus can Act like, like we have no sensibility. Now, if you feel strongly about the Student Loan Forgiveness Act, I get it. I have my own sense about it. I have my own feelings about it. My point in bringing that up this morning is not to delegitimize the way we, you and I may feel about it. My point is simply in saying that if we as followers of Jesus are constantly putting out the negative... Like, there are some things we should raise our hand and say, hey, I object. But how we make the objection is the most important thing. If we're going to object, let's do so by thinking about how we're communicating. See, Paul writes to the Corinthian church in 2 Corinthians 2, he says, you're God's, uh, for we are to God the fragrance of Christ among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. In other words, we should be smelling good. We should be bringing a fresh aroma 
and not a bunch of stink to our relationships and to our conversations and to our being as we move about our community, as we talk to people in our world. What is true, what is helpful, what is inspiring, what is necessary and what is kind. Man, if we shape our communication on that acronym, we might change the world. We might just change the world. At least the world that you and I communicate in. You know what gives me a lot of hope? What gives me a lot of hope is when, when I'm watching one of my friends' social media thread and all of a sudden, somebody says something that sheds light on the subject. And actually, I don't want to divulge names here, but let me just say that sometimes the suffering in life and the difficult things in life shave the rough edges off of our thinking and our acting. And I know we don't like to suffer. I didn't like to mow my yard horribly and I didn't like to lose my phone and the mower. I know it's not suffering. But it's those things in our lives that we go, woe is me. But then when the real stuff happens, we figure out what we're made of. Like when someone dies close to us and when someone gets cancer close to us, when the real stuff hits us hard, the response to that will inform how we will live. And when those difficult things come and those rough edges are, are, are smoothed off, then our, the way we communicate, even online, is going to be different. And that's what I saw this week. I saw a sensible response. And then I happened to know that there was a direct message communication between the two offending parties. And it was the most beautiful thing to see the transaction, the, 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 the change in, in, you know what happens when we talk to each other directly instead of just blowing up on social media? When we talk to each other directly, we add value to each other's lives. We can speak life and freedom into each other in ways that we can't do otherwise. We might even change our mind about the opinions that we think we hold. Verse 24, but the king replied to Arona. So when Arona said, hey, take my ox, take the, take the yoke, use it all, build the altar, get rid of this plague. The king replied to Arona, he said, no, I insist on buying it for I will not present burnt offerings to the Lord my God that have cost me nothing. What is it costing you? Like we step into this place this morning and we're worshiping, but you know, David was going to go worship, build this altar, worship God, 
And he said, I won't do it without some cost to what I'm doing. I know that there is some cost involved here. And I won't do something. I will not present a burnt offering to the Lord that hasn't cost me anything. What is the cost to the offering that you're bringing? What is the cost? Is it your time? Is it your talent? Is it your treasure? Yes, all of those things. Time, talent, treasure. What are the things that you value that you bring to the Father and you say, here it is. Here it is. Do with it what you will. I'm bringing my worship and I'm not going to bring something that costs me nothing. As I read this passage and I thought about the fact that, that uh, David was going to build an altar, you know, we all bring ourselves as a, an altar of worship in, in today's, uh, in, in the New Testament now, we bring ourselves. But in the Old Testament, they would build an altar and it would be built out of, um, out of rocks. And so if you think about that, they're building it out of broken things. Sometimes you and I, we come before the Father. We come before, before uh, we pray and we sing and we think, he can't possibly take me because I'm all busted up and broken. This is what the altar in the Old Testament was made of, was broken things. See, you and I, we have volcanic explosions. We have, we have these events in our lives that are seismic shifts, like, like things that happen to us. And sometimes it's a simple grind of life. They break us up. The suffering we experience shapes those rocks. It's important for us to take those hard things, to arrange them before Jesus. You know, we can, we can drag them around. We can just, instead of building an altar with them, we can just drag them around or we can throw them at someone else. Or we can say, here am I. Heal me. Heal me. Take, take all of this brokenness and heal me. See, David, David was a, a warrior. He was a king. He got things done. And sometimes we th say things like, well, all it takes for evil to win is for good men to do nothing. You've heard that phrase. I mean, we're people of action too. We want something done. When there's an injustice, we, need, we want something to change. But what if the action we take is not as obvious in the short term? Especially here in America, we want things done and we want them done now. We want change. But what if we pray what if we go to, to go for understanding of the other person? What if we go for laying down our lives and maybe give up our own preferences? You know, sometimes I think that, that we think that if we get connected with people that aren't completely aligned with our way of thinking, that we're going to lose our theology somehow. We're going to lose our understanding. That doesn't have to be the case. We don't have to lose the way that we, that, that we believe about who God is, who we are. 
reaching our neighbor doesn't mean that has to shift. But I think if we are diligently reaching those around us, if we are connecting with people, while our theology doesn't have to shift, our compassion should. Our compassion and our empathy for the other will and should and must change. So when we feel like we're going to hesitate before considering how we are being perceived by the person that we're walking up to, we feel hesitation. Sometimes that's just framed as like closeted unbelief. Like we wouldn't admit that we have unbelief, but we act like we don't believe. And that strips us of the, of, of the, the required amount of love that, that is needed to step into that relationship. Agape love, unconditional love. That's what Jesus has shown to us. And that's what we need as we step into relationship with those around us. This is the kind of love that will draw the neighbor that doesn't yet know. So let's like link up, let's, let's engage, let's discover, let's risk. Because love alone is the thing that will draw all people to Jesus. Around here, we've said from the beginning, we are a people marked by love. We're a tribe of humans learning what it means to live the abundant life, restored to our true identity in Jesus. You know, one day Jesus was, uh, in Luke chapter uh, 10, Jesus uh, was being questioned by an expert in religious law. And he said, uh, what, teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus replied, what does the law of Moses say? How do you read it? And the man answered, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength, and with all, with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. This is where life is. This is where real life is. Jesus responds and says, yes, yes, right. Now, do this and you will live. Our mission here at Restore is simple. Know Jesus and your neighbor. We take it seriously. So the question is, who is your neighbor? See, the, the, the expert in the law was trying to figure this out. He was trying to sidestep what he knew he should do to say, yeah, but maybe I can cop out on this. So who's your neighbor this morning? Who are you in relationship with right now that doesn't believe exactly like you do? Who are you in relationship with when you step their way? They're happy to see you because you have invested in them. Who, is in your, who are you in relationship with that is an atheist, that perhaps doesn't believe in God at all? Who are you in relationship with who is an agnostic? Who are you in relationship with that has no faith at all or who has a very different faith? Are you in relationship with someone like that? Who is your neighbor this morning? Who is the person that you walk toward and they're happy to see you? because you've invested in their lives. See, if we want to reach the world, I can stand up here and preach to a couple hundred people every Sunday, and I do. But if I am not, if we are not equipping ourselves to have a one-on-one -on -one relationship with somebody, if every one of us had one person that we would look at and go, that's my neighbor, 
That's who I'm called to be in relationship with. And notice I did not say, who is your project? No one, and I mean no one, wants to be a project, but everyone wants to be loved, and everyone wants to be seen, and everyone wants to be known. So who is your neighbor this morning? Who is your neighbor? Would you stand with me? Father, I'm so grateful this morning for this people. Wherever we are this morning, whether we're in the house or whether we're online, God, I know that you have brought us together and uh, you are doing a work in us. You are even now prompting us to answer the question, how do people perceive me when I am walking toward them? And what is it that I'm bringing to the altar? Like, am I bringing, has it cost me nothing? Or am I considering what has it cost me to get to this point in my life? What are the sacrifices I'm even now willing to make or unwilling to make? God, I pray that you would give us clarity about this. And God, we, we are a people that are so incredibly blessed. And even now, God, I pray for a download on my friends where people's names come to mind and that their minds even now would be opened up to the opportunities that might exist right in front of them as to the people they're to be engaged with. As they answer the question, who is my neighbor? Father, I pray for just a fresh vision for their life. How we think about you is so significant and important. It informs every aspect of our lives. And so let us not be a people who are just making a bunch of noise. We may have all the spiritual gifts. We may have all the exterior uh, adornments that point to a relationship with you. And yet if we don't have love, we're just a bunch of noise. So Father, reveal to us, even now, who is our neighbor? Who should we be connecting with? And may your name continue to be glorified through us, through your people. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Thanks for joining us for today's episode. Please rate and review us on Spotify and iTunes and join us again for next week's podcast. We love you and pray blessing and peace over you and your family.